Take your Bible, go to Acts 13, and we'll begin reading in verse 42. We are making our way through the book of Acts during uh, this preaching season, and uh, we'll get to the end one day, and uh, we're marching right through. We'll take a week off hither and yon, but today uh, we come to, you know that if you've been with us, we're in that first missionary journey where Paul and Barnabas have left Antioch, gone to Cyprus, and from Cyprus then they've gone to Pisidia, and they've come to the second Antioch, the Pisidian Antioch, and there they've preached the gospel, and they've finished that first. We saw that sermon last Sunday, and then we follow it up with the uh, conclusion uh, of what happened after that first Sabbath day there in Pisidian Antioch, and we pick up the text in Acts 13, and we begin reading in verse 42. The Bible says, as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Continue. Continue in the grace. Continue in the grace. Don't miss that word. It's our key for today. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the Word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiated and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You are a light, and you are to proclaim salvation to the ends of the earth. The year was 2004. Hurricane Ivan had come right up Palafox Street, came and went up through the Carolinas, popped out back in the ocean, came back across Florida and headed to Texas. Old Ivan was a wicked dude. But it changed Olive Baptist Church forever. I walked out on this back parking lot. There were 26 18-wheel trucks there. I looked around and thought, my goodness, it's a ministry going on. We were feeding people and doing all that's going on now. In South Davis, this was one of the ministry hubs as it was going out. I met one of our neighbors who no longer lives back here now. He, uh, he hated Olive, and he hated the Lord, and he hated me. I know that because he told me all that. <laughs> I met him, and he was standing in line with one of those little plates to get food. And I went up and asked him, I said, what are you doing in this line? I said, you know, this is a church deal here, and you hate the church. And he said these words to me changed my life forever. He said, well, you know, Pastor, when you're hungry, organized religion looks pretty good. <laughs> That's what he said. 
Well, I turned stomped off and left. It's Junior Hill, and I've shared this with you, as Junior Hill always said, I didn't cuss, but the ground, the grass turned brown where I spit. <laughs> I was not a happy man. But I didn't go 10 paces, and the Spirit of God arrested my heart and said, you don't have to have a storm to do this kind of ministry all the time. Olive ought to be about that. Gene Ray had been telling me that for years. And I went to my study and got on my knees and said, oh, God, what would you have us do? It, it took weeks and months and literally two or three years for all of this to happen. But the ministry village at Olive was born out of that. And our diamond ministry out of that is what we call the Caris House. That is the word grace, grace, the grace house. We don't deserve it. We didn't know how to start. We just took a house out here and found some ladies because in our uh, looking, we found Pensacola did a lot of things for men in addiction, but very little for women. And we felt that's where God had directed us. And so we opened up, we messed up, and we messed up, but we had victories and we didn't know how. But finally, we, we kind of got in a groove of knowing what we do. And these ladies that come to us stay with us now for 18 months in phase one. And uh, five of those will graduate here in just a few minutes out of the end of this sermon. And I'll introduce them to you. I'll show you their video testimonies through this sermon today. I want you to know them. And then I'm going to invite you to come. And say yes to Jesus, just like each of these five have said yes to Jesus. That ministry was born out of that storm. And so that goes on. They move out of phase one to phase two. They get jobs and we work. We have victories. We have defeats. We have those that make it all the way through. We have others that drop out. And uh, if ministry is easy, everybody would be doing it. Seeing lives turned around was a piece of cake. Everybody would be eating But it's a miracle work of God where he changes a man or a woman from the inside out. Paul and Barnabas was here. Man, they were preaching. They were begging them, share grace with us. Continue in the grace of God. And Paul had gone to the synagogue and then they blasphemed, turned away. And Paul said to them, we've come to the Jew first, but because you've repudiated the gospel, God has set us up to go now to the Gentile and to the ends of the earth. Hear me, Olive Baptist Church. We are in the gospel business. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's the business we are in is the grace preaching business and the disciple making business and the missionary sending business. That's church. That's what we do. We do a lot of things, but always in the middle of it has got to be the gospel of grace, unmerited favor, God's favor, God's loving us and sending Jesus for us. We cannot save ourselves, but God would save us when we come to him by faith as we see them. Well, Paul here speaks two commands, two gospel commands. I want you to see it in verse 47. For the Lord has commanded us. And what does he command? I've placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 
Here are the two commands. He gave them to the first church, and he gives them to every Bible-believing church. Number one, God commands, shine the light. Shine the light. I've placed you as a light for the Gentiles. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 14. He tells us that we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what we are. We are a city. You don't hide that city. It's a city that illuminates. That's the church. We are to be a light. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He says, do all things without grumbling. Now, some of you need to underline that in your Bible. <laughs> do all things without grumbling and without disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Oh, among whom you are to appear as lights in the world. We live in a vile, blasphemous, crooked, godless generation, but we are to be light in the midst of all that. You know, lights do marvelous things. Lights manifest. Lights guide. Lights warm. Lights express joy. You have a light show. Amen. Turn on your lights. Christmas is coming. There'll be lights everywhere. There's joy in that. But we are to make manifest. We are to guide. We are to warn. We are to shine the gospel light. John chapter 1 and verse number 4 says, In him that is in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Yes, indeed. We are to shine the gospel light. We have five ladies that will graduate today. I want to illustrate, we'll just hear the first two of these as we think of the light of the world. Listen to these brief testimonies of these ladies that you'll meet in just a few moments. I grew up in, I grew up in like a church family and um, we went to church every Sunday and then when I was about 10 years old my mom met my stepdad and he was a recovering addict and um, he slipped and he fell back into his addiction and um, when I turned 14 so he gave me one of his pills. Um, he was taking oxys pressed with fentanyl. And then things just kind of went downhill from there. I got kicked out of high school when I was 16 and um, wound up getting my GED instead of going to school. I was really messed up one day and I was driving down a road with a bunch of friends. I couldn't drive, I was tripping on acid and I called my youth pastor's wife and um, she came and got me, picked me up and the next time I saw her she told me I needed to go to school. I needed to get out of town, I needed to relocate and so I wound up going to Pensacola Christian College for about two years. Um, didn't do so well there but I went. I overdosed and I tried to end my life. I just didn't feel like I 
had anything to live for anymore. Um, I didn't really understand God or know God, and I just felt like there was no, there was no point in continuing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I wound up in the mental hospital for about a day or so, and they pumped my stomach. And then I remember being down here for college and hearing about the Kara's house. So I called Miss Vanessa, and um, three days after Christmas, I got on an airplane and came here. I work at the food pantry, and I um, feed the homeless every day. And, and I just get a chance to love people like God loves me. I did not grow up in church at all. Um, I knew John 3.16 because my grandma, you know, it's one of the scriptures she had you memorize when you went to VBS. And that was the only time that I really got um, any kind of word at all. Went to college and, and did all the things that you had to do, I guess, in order to be successful. The only thing I didn't have was God. And so I started using drugs um, when I was 31 years old. You know, just one bad choice. You know, it all, it all it takes is a choice, you know, and you really think, you know, because for so long I could handle anything that was thrown at me. You know, I assumed that I could, you know, do it one time and it, you know, just be an experience that I had, but it, it was not like that. It eventually became um, a weekend thing to an everyday thing till I couldn't stop on my own. Lost uh, my career, just, you know, became alienated from my family and neglected my children. I have two beautiful girls. I knew that they would be taken care of at my mom's, and so I just quit showing up. And even when I was there, I wasn't there, just wasn't present in their lives. And I just, you know, you're numb to everything. You're numb to the feelings that, you know, you're supposed to have as a mother when you're, you long for your children. You know, you just don't, you don't see it at all. So ended up in jail, get all, you know, was on probation, couldn't follow the rules of probation, and, and, and you know, you eventually just go back to jail, and the judge gives you an ultimatum, and it was either prison or Karis House. Got here and started reading the Word, and I just fell in love with how God loves people, just loves, you know, and how redeeming his love is, and um, started reading the Gospels, and it just, it literally, like overnight changed my life. It's just changed a lot of things as far as my, my perspective on life, what I want, um, and how I want to raise my children. So it's, it's been a true blessing. I wouldn't have been able to do it um, without God. He gets all the glory. He is the bomb.com. Amen. The Lord does it. Yeah. Today, when we have these five graduated, it'll push us over 200 ladies that have come through the Cares House in these 15 years. It's a good day. Amen. They say, well, you, there's a lot more. Yeah, we don't, we don't do it all. We can't win them all. But, but I'm telling you, there are some. Their lives are changed forever because of grace, the grace house. And that's what we're, we're to be a light, a light shining in the darkness. It is the gospel command. But there is a second command 
that he gives in this text. Not only has he placed you as a light to the Gentile, to the lost. Secondly, he says that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Secondly, God's command is proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Bring salvation. That word salvation, uh, salvation is soteria. Soteria. It means to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to save. I, I think every time I see this word salvation, the first text comes to my mind is always out of Luke's gospel, chapter 19. <laughs> Jesus comes to Jericho. You know Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, his Savior there to see. He's so short he couldn't see, and he climbed up in a tree. Jesus walked by. Zacchaeus, come down. And in verses 9 and 10 of Luke's gospel, chapter 19, he tells us that Jesus told him, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to say that word, church, save that which was lost. The text tells us three things about Zacchaeus. He was rich, he was short, he was saved. What tells us right there in the text? He was a rich man. He was rich. He was short of stature. He was a little man. He couldn't see, so he climbed up in that tree. And thirdly, he got gloriously saved, 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 saved. Romans 1.16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. I think of my friend uh, Johnny Newton sitting up in the balcony today with his family years and years ago, way before I got here. I've been here 32 years. But before I got here, Johnny and his family came, gave her heart and life to Christ. He and his sweet wife married 60 years, the reason I think of him. Just this week, 60 years married. And thank God for salvation. It came to the Newton house. Our command is to trumpet the gospel trumpet the gospel. Here on that Warrington campus, we are to trumpet the gospel. Here across this land, we are to herald the gospel. One of our ladies this morning brought me a gospel track. She wrote it. It's about her daughter. It's a great little track, putting them over in the uh, new media resource library room. You pick up one, give it away. It'll help people uh, as you share. I read through it uh, this morning. She's just trying to trumpet the God. That's what we do with these girls. We're sharing the gospel and then building them. As to, we shine the light, command number one. We trumpet and proclaim the gospel. I want you to listen to two other of these testimonies today. Listen to these two. So at age 13, I started using drugs to fit in and be cool. And then it became, it was a way for me to escape reality. And I end up falling in love with it, for real, for real. I've been in and out of jail since I was 19 years old. This last time I had uh, seven to eight felony cases stacked up against me. Um, I was in jail and got into a fight and was thrown into a lockdown cell with nothing but a Bible, my mat, and my blanket. I started in Genesis, and by 10 days I was halfway through the Old Testament. Um, it was Joseph's story that really broke me down. Um, 
where the Holy Spirit came on me. Everything that, you know, the, the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good for Joseph. I kept reading the Bible. I put a hunger in my spirit. Um, I got through reading the Bible, and a week later, a visitation popped up on my screen from a girl I ain't spoke to in two and a half years that had been through the Caris House program. And she told me that she wanted to offer me the same opportunity that she had. And I was like, let's go with it, you know. And um, that's how the door opened for me to come to the Caris House. Um, since I've been here, I've restored relationships with my family. Um, my family, we didn't go to church growing up. They didn't, the Lord was not in our family at all. And now my mom and my kids, they attend church regularly every week. Um, yeah, and I just love Jesus. I have been in my addiction for over 40 years. Um, there have been periods of sobriety, never lasted. Uh, the last time um, was in 2017. I was sober for five years. And then my husband, who was my support system, passed away. When you, when you lose that support system when, when, and, and you're kind of floundering around, not knowing what to do, it, 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 you go back to what you know, and that's self-destruction. And unfortunately, I've been doing it for a long time, and I've, I've, I've gotten very good at it. My whole life, I've done nothing but exist. It was just existing. I wasn't living. I wasn't living life. I had no purpose. I had no direction. I had nothing. So I, I just got up and did what I had to do, and, and I went back and I, I drank until I, I, I went to sleep. And now I can say, when I get up in the morning, I have purpose. I have a reason to get up, and I'm happy and I have hope, and I know God has great plans for me. I might, and I might have been going through some bad, bad years, but I, I in all, all honesty, God was with me. God brought me through those years. He never left me, although sometimes I felt like he did, but he never did. And now I can see this is where he wanted me be, to be. This is where my life is just beginning. A, a whole new life that I, I can say I'm looking forward to. He is what I'm living for. He is everything I do, I do for the Lord. Amen, Lori. Church, shine the light. Church, proclaim the gospel. It's not a suggestion from the master, it's a command. There's another command I want you to see, and that is we have a command to go to the ends of the earth, beginning in Pensacola, Florida, down to Warrington. I had a phone call from a mother of a young naval officer this week. Oh, church, help my son.
Thank God for what's going on at Warrington campus. Well, again and again, I'll be down there in two weeks. I can't wait to be with you at the Warrington campus. We'll celebrate five years. You see, we do it here with the Karis House and reaching and bringing those ladies to faith in Christ. There are young men and women on that Naval Air Station base that, that need Christ, and God's given us entree. We, we should go there and shine a light as God gives us opportunity. Brother Mike Dimmick helps us so much to do that. We're to reach into the business community downtown, and new doors have just opened there uh, to us in a new and really unprecedented way uh, for us downtown. Uh, all across this region, we are commanded to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel in Pensacola, across Florida, here in Warrington, across America. I, I had uh, text, I get it every Sunday morning from Johannes. He's from South Africa. He pastors a church up in Wyoming. We partner with them. Right in the middle of Mormon country, he's seeing people come to faith in Christ. I'm going to be with him later next year in the spring, and we're going to preach and have a conference looking forward to being a part of what God is doing in that region with that cowboy South African. Oh, my goodness, what a preacher. And then we're to go to the nations, the nations with the gospel. Spoke just this week with some of our folks in Kazakhstan and also uh, yesterday with one of our friends in Romania that invited me and said, come, Pastor, we'll, we'll go and, and we have places. I'm going this Sunday night into the Ukraine and there we'll be pastoring and sharing and preaching and helping churches. Come, go with us. I said, I don't know if I want to go or not. I said, I'll send somebody. Well, sometimes you send others, sometimes you go yourself. God's called us to go to the ends of the earth. Dear church, let's begin here and go with the gospel. Amen? Let's go. Let's go with the gospel. We're doing it with the Karis house. Let, let's go with the gospel across the street and in your business, wherever you are. That is the command of the Lord. I've placed you as a light to the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I shall never forget our first class. We were clueless. We didn't know what we were doing. We just gathered up these ladies that were hurting and tried to lead them to Jesus. Even when you think you know what you're doing, you get curves thrown. I stood right here in this pulpit, and I, I just said, I look forward to the day when drunkards come, and I began just the name sin. Sin. I said, I, I and then I, I just kind of ran out of words. And I said, I, I look forward to the day when prostitutes come down this aisle and say yes to Jesus. It was Palm Sunday. We finished that service, and I stood right there. And my friend Jackie Johnson came by. She was in our class at the Karis house. Sweet African-American girl. She had on a hat on Sunday before Easter. I often kid her. I said, as big as a flying saucer. <laughs> Jackie was a bouncer in a bar. She came to us. 
I'll never forget it, church. She, she grabbed me right over there and she pulled me up under that hat. She looked right at me and she said, Pastor, you can quit praying that horror prayer. I said, what? She said, right over here. She said, I, I sold myself on Whitmire, told me the house. She said, I got my money, and I went and got my drugs. She said, that's when I landed in jail, and I met Miss Debbie. And Miss Debbie told me about Jesus in the carriage house. I text with her from time to time. She's in a ministry in Los Angeles, California. Been a while since I've talked. Church, you never know when you win one of these ladies what, what God's going to do. I shut that house down on Whitmire. I called the law. I knew some. I just used the tools God gave me. Amen. I don't always know the sheriff or know everybody, but I did that time. And so we were able to move that nest at least somewhere else. It sure didn't need to be close to the carriage house. Our culture's in a mess. And it's not all about politics. I'm telling you, we're in a mess because of the godlessness that we've allowed to go on. But thank God for a little light and for a lot of gospel that draw men and women, boys and girls to himself. Some of you are in this room today and you need Jesus. You say, well, preacher, I've never been drunk. No, I understand. You're a self-righteous sinner. <laughs> yeah, there's none righteous, no, not one. I've never been drunk either, never been high. Well, I got saved when I was 10. That a mama kept me straight. But I needed Jesus. You need him today. You say, well, I'm religious. You need him. I'm in the church. You need him. If you don't know if you was to die today, you'd go to heaven. You, you need to trust him today. In a few minutes, I'm going to stand right down here. And I want you to come and give your life to Christ. Come, put your hand in my hand and give your life to the church after you've given your heart to Christ. Come, be baptized like this young man sitting right here. Do it today. Hey, there's one other testimony I want you to hear. There are five of our girls. You've heard before. Listen to this fifth testimony out of the Karis house today. Um, I was in active addiction for over 18 years. Um, I was addicted to... Uh, opiates was my drug of choice. Um, it started out as being cool and trying to, you know, fit in with my older brother and stuff, but then that choice became a lifestyle. I couldn't go four hours without getting sick, pretty much, like violently ill if I didn't have the drug. I would, everything I did revolved around getting the drug or the money to get the drug. Like, I would steal, I would you know, manipulate people, I would do any and everything to get the money in order to go get the drug. And I never quit thinking about it. It didn't matter how much I had or how little I had. It was always my next play, my next play. What am I going to do next? What am, you know, where am I going to get this and how am I going to get it? 
I just vanished, you know, from being a mom and um, a stay-at-home mom that loved her children and did everything for them, and I just vanished off the face of the earth. And they didn't know if I was alive or if I was dead, and I had no hope. Like, I knew that I was going to die a drug addict, and I had no, I had zero hope of ever being a normal, functioning human being. Got arrested, just like most drug addicts do, and I ended up leaving. Um, to go to a rehab, I ended up in Alabama in a rehab and there was drugs there. I wasn't strong enough, I didn't have the tools to, to know what to do or how to survive in an environment where I didn't want to do drugs but didn't, wasn't strong enough to say no. So I ended up running from there for about two weeks and my mom came and got me and one of the girls from there knew about the Karis house because she had gone through it. And so my mom just brought me here. Like we didn't have an appointment, I didn't have an interview. And I just showed up on the front porch of Kara's house. And it has literally given me hope. And the amount of love the people around us in this church give us is insane to me. I've never experienced a genuine love from people I don't even know. Um, so the Kara's house brought me hope. And that's where I met God at. I mean, I had no clue the amount of love. Like, he changed me completely. I am nowhere near the same person I used to be. Like, um, he changed my heart and I'm grateful for that. Amen. Um, well, standing here behind me are these five ladies. You've heard their testimony, and also the director of our Caris House program, Vanessa Bettis, uh, is here. And uh, Vanessa has a certificate uh, to give to each of these girls and uh, help her, John, with those other. And we also have a... Uh, a necklace that we give. We started this a class two or three uh, back, and uh, that necklace is a purple amethyst. As I was preaching through Revelation, I came to understand that the twelfth foundation stone of the New Jerusalem is the amethyst, and it means not drunk. That's what it means in Greek. The A on the front means not, negates it. The back end of the word means drunk. And so I give these out to these young ladies so that they'll be reminded never to be drunk again. Amen. And a certificate of their graduation. Uh, you share those, Vanessa, with them just now. All right, certificate for phase one. You just share those with them right now, if you would, please. Amen. Christina. Christina. Leslie. All right, Leslie. Lindsay. Lindsay. Lori. Lori. And Madison. Amen. Congratulations. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. yeah share those. Amen. You just remain standing. I want you to know your pastor loves you, grateful for you. And uh, that uh, little pendant that, that is there, I want you to wear it with conviction and with pride. As a matter of fact, let's just open it up and look at it right now. All right? Yeah. Good, good. I made a bold statement 
in this service one day. I said, I wish I had a uh, professional jeweler that would help me with these. Had a guy come to me after the service that day. He said, I can do that. I'm not a member of this church, but I come all the time. And I'll make those as long as you give them away. And I'll make them and give them to you. And then I have a lady that helps us with the chains and does all of that. So uh, there is that uh, purple amethyst. It's really beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, amen. And so there's one there for each one of you, and I'll let you hang on to your box. One of the boxes is larger, but it's the same thing that's in it. Uh, <laughs> there's no uh, difference in, in any of those. Now, what Jesus has done for these five, Vanessa, for John, for the past... He'd do for you. He'd, he'd save you. He would. He'd do that in your soul. If you'll come to him. I'm telling you, we're shining the light on you today. Come. We say to you, he'll save. Come and respond to the gospel. The ladies want you to do something for me. I want you to help me give the invitation today. So I want you to walk down here on the floor with me. Stand with me. And what God has done for all of us. He'd do for you. If you're here today and never been saved, come. Take me by the hand. Tell me. You're here today and need to join Olive Baptist Church. Say, I want to be a part of what's going on this way. Then you come. Say, preacher, I just need to come fall in this all. Well, you can do that. You come and give your life to Christ. John's going to begin to sing. Myself and these six ladies, we're going to walk right down here on the front. And what God's done for all of us, he'd do for you. I invite you to come. Come. While John sings, you step out. And you come during this invitation just now. Amen.